This is an ABC podcast. Do you ever pause, look back at the past few years and think, geez, what a time. Droughts. Bushfires. Bushfire information. Pandemics. The World Health Organisation declares the coronavirus a pandemic. The Australian... Varroa mite. The spread of the mite could threaten this year's food crop plant pollination. Flooding. Yet another La Nina event on the horizon. ...has declared a third consecutive La Nina. It's been a lot for everyone. But what if your work, your livelihood was defined by the weather? Farmers have really been feeling it. Confidence is down. Corporate farms are buying up land. And it feels like everything is up in the air. I'm Kaya Handley, and today on the Newcastle Hunter Catch-Up, we're talking to the new generation of hunter farmers, adapting to an uncertain world. Like, we're not the stereotypical old cocky farmer who just lives in his paddock every day. And finding new ways to live off the land. Growth stuff is really important, A, really satisfying. I mean, everyone kind of thinks their job is really important, right? But I think growing food actually is, like, one of the most important things we can do for a society. Growing up, Rolanda always knew where she would end up. Always been in my blood. I've always known this is what I'm going to do. This is my destiny, well, not destiny, but this is what my future's going to be, tied to the farm in one way or another. So, She's a fifth-generation farmer, beginning way back in the 1920s. Um, so it was a couple of brothers. They had landed in Nara on the south coast. They had actually bought some land down there. So they bought some land up here and they were going to split it. And we were just lucky enough that we got this parcel and not the one down south. Nothing wrong with being a dairy farmer, but I just don't think those four o'clock starts were for me. Her family owned just under a thousand acres at Cars Spring, about 40 minutes out of Scone. They run a few sheep on the farm, mainly prime lambs, and mostly deal with beef cattle. So we do a small feed up in the morning. Currently we are feeding some lambs we've weaned and some heifers that we're trying to fashion up before they go to the bull. So they're getting fed at night when we get home from work. So currently I'm five days a week in the office. Rolanda also works as an accountant and she's the president of the Scone branch of the New South Wales Farmers. And then run around like a chopper about a head on the weekends. <laughs> During the week it's pretty cosy, pretty cruisy. But on the weekend, we could be doing anywhere from fencing to mustering to drenching, backlining, shearing when it comes time to shear. That work has only been compounded due to unpredictable weather conditions over the past year. Once it rains, it puts things off and you can't get in or you can't really backline a cattle. I mean, it's going to rain the next day and wash it all off. It's that unpredictability. Will I be able to backline the cattle this weekend? How long will this creek crossing last for? When's the next storm coming? It's particularly unsettling. And we've been very lucky where we are. We haven't experienced anywhere near the level of flooding that Lower Down the Hunter has, where it's come into people's houses and destroyed their house or took away animals. Like, we've been very fortunate. But I can't imagine living with that fear that every time it rained, you could possibly lose everything. If Rolanda always knew where she would end up, Harriet Bell was certain she would not be farming. Oh, no, never. Why, no, my, my, why my do you say that? Why, why such a strong reaction? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I, it's, it's strange. It's just like it was never presented to me as an option, even though I am from a farming family. Um, my dad was a farmer in Dubbo. Um, but, yeah, it wasn't on my radar at all. Harriet went off to uni. 
did a communications degree, had life away from the farm, all sorted, until she met Joe. He was living on his dad's cattle property when I met him. And as we started dating and I started visiting, he just kind of espoused all the virtues of farming and I started helping him out and really loved that. Together, they were looking around for somewhere to start their own patch of land. On a paddock in Lawn, just outside Maitland, they met some landowners who needed someone to lease and take care of a tree-lined paddock. And so it just worked out really well that we could have this beneficial arrangement. And then, yeah, the vegetable enterprise was very much just like the back paddock is two or three acres big. And the only thing you can really do on that amount of space is vegetables profitably. Yeah. How much did you know about growing veg? Um, zero. And I, re- <laughs> like, I really can't emphasize how little I knew about growing vegetables. Like, I'm just... I need you to understand I've never, I have never grown a single vegetable. <laughs> and it's not the way I would recommend people get into farming, but we were very, very fortunate and privileged in that we had the ability to just throw ourselves at it. We had a little bit of money behind us and maybe just like too much confidence. Harriet, Joe and their dog Pepper got started on their little vegetable farm called Good Growers in March 2020, right before that first lockdown. The drought broke as we started and we moved into basically just quite wet. But even then, I mean, whenever people ask me about how the the weather has treated us over the last few years, I just feel so lucky compared to so many farms. Mm. Farms just further north of us and just further south of us have had just way worse conditions than us. I worship the levee system on the Hunter River here in Maitland. It is a work of art and she keeps us safe. She's a beautiful goddess. (laughs) <laughs> like at the height of the river, it was probably a couple of metres higher than where I'm standing right now. But because of the levee system, it held it all back and she protected us. Even with that beautiful levee system, the rain has meant issues like soil compaction, nutrition loss and all sorts of challenges, particularly for a smaller and newer farming operation. It's a little bit nerve-wracking, isn't it? <laughs> when, you're, when your income is almost entirely dependent on the weather. Harriet and Rolanda are two very different women, both challenging the traditional idea of being a farmer, both adapting to the reality in front of them. And it's been hard work. I actually, I had the chance to go away to uni to study my degree, but due to what had to be done on the farm and we were going into drought, which, of course, was putting a stress on our finances, I actually didn't go away to uni. I did my whole degree via correspondence whilst working full-time in an accounting firm and working on the farm. At the end of the day, I had to do what was best for the farm and my family. Other family farms near Rolanda have had to sell up. Small properties purchased up by big corporations. Children who grew up on properties their parents owned have ended up working that same property but now it's owned by someone else. There's nothing wrong with that. They're earning a wage, they're learning, they're growing skills, but it does mean at the end of the day they don't have that land to fall back on when they do want to start their own farm. And with the prices of land, it's highly likely they're never going to actually be able to afford to buy a piece for themselves. It is a hard life. You have to make sacrifices and you have to choose what's important to you, but at the end of the day it's what's important to me and... I'm happy to be here and happy to support Australian agriculture. My personal philosophy on on farming is you shouldn't love it too much because 
you love it too much, it's like too emotionally taxing when things go wrong, when crops fail, when, you know, it's like really heartbreaking. So I try not to love it too much, but I do like at the moment, I really, really do enjoy growing things and I would like to do it for as long as I enjoy it. It's always been a hard life on a farm and it might not look like it's getting any easier. But there are always going to be those people passionate, eager, driven to play their part. It might be a family tradition passed down for generations, or it might be something you never thought you'd do until you were digging beds in rich soil. Farming is not blanket. It's so ever-changing. We're not the stereotypical farmer out in his paddock, ploughing his field. We could be very highly educated people using all manner of technologies to kind of best cropping use, best land use. Young people aren't encouraged to go into farming because we don't see it in our culture. When you think of a farmer, you think of like an old white man who's like, has all this land that was stolen from Indigenous people and profits off it. I'm not old, but like the young whippersnappers, <laughs> I tell you, they're so smart and they have so many great ideas and they're so jaded from like growing up in this like capitalist hellscape. And we need everyone on board to imagine and build something better. And the young people, they're keen. They see the possibilities, the potential for farming, although they're not Pollyannas about it. You have to go off the floor. You never know what's around the next corner. I think that's a great metaphor for farming in general because you never know. Animals are unpredictable. You just go off the floor. You go where they want to go. The Newcastle Hunter Catch-Up is produced on a Awabakal country. It's presented and produced by me, Kaya Handley. It's produced by Toby Hemmings. Nick Lowther is the supervising producer and Bridget Murphy, our digital producer. If you like the pod, give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back next week with more local stories from around Newcastle and the Hunter Valley. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.